This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever, and this time it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars, new season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? What's up, yo? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker and Ben McKee coming to you from Neyland Stadium. From the uh, This week, it's the uh, the visiting athletic director's box here at Neyland Stadium. And the uh, visiting athletics director was from the University of Georgia. And this contingent had a good day. The Vols, not such a good day. Tennessee goes down, goes down hard, 38-10. to 10. The 18th-ranked Vols, really no match for the top-ranked dogs. I think, Ben, we knew going into the week that this game – was not the matchup that so many of us thought it might be heading into the season. Uh, I think Tennessee's performance uh, to this point in the season has not been what we thought it was. And then on top of that, Tennessee is just kind of beat to hell right now. So even whatever the best version of this Tennessee football team is, is not one that can really play right now. So this day for Tennessee uh, started really well, and then pretty much nothing good happened. No, nothing good happened at all. Uh, after the Jalen Wright touchdown, uh, even Dolly Parton s- struggled in, in, in her appearance in, inside of Neyland Stadium. It's true. And, he, he tells no lies. Uh, it, it, apparently there's rumors about a mic issue or earpiece I issue. Was, I think it was a playback issue in the ear, I think. So maybe that was the case, but just nothing seemed to go right for Tennessee today uh, after it couldn't have asked for a better start to the football game with Jalen Wright. Uh, housing the the first play from the line of scrimmage, 75 yards right up the middle, pulled away from the Georgia secondary, made some money uh, on that play Jalen Wright did. But but after that, uh, Tennessee, I I do think they played hard uh, for for four quarters. Uh, I just think that this football team is already flawed from a personnel standpoint. And now, like you said, they are beat to H-E double hockey sticks, and that's not a great combination, especially when you're going – uh, up against Georgia and, and what they are offensively and, and defensively. Uh, thought you needed – you and I talked about it on the Thursday podcast and the game day podcast. Thought you needed uh, a spark from special teams and, and never really got that. I uh, never really got the opportunity to. Georgia did a great job of kicking the football through the end zone on kickoffs. And uh, there, there was one punt return. I thought D. Williams could have returned, and, and he signaled for a fair catch instead. I think you, you kind of, especially when you have the cushion that he did on that particular return, take your chances there with, with the way that Tennessee's oh, offense God, yeah. is struggling all day long. But that was really the only opportunity he got all day long. Um, and so that, that splash play didn't come there. You thought that the defense had one for a second. Uh, Danico Slaughter uh, had an interception there in the first half that, that he returned back in, well into to Georgia territory. Uh, but he was called for holding. Uh, and I know that was a point of contention uh, during the game, but CBS did show the the opposite angle uh, from the Georgia sideline, and it was clear that Danico Slaughter was was holding uh, that tennis or holding the Georgia receiver, and it, it unfortunately for Tennessee was the correct call, and uh, that that felt like it was going to be the splash play, and then it got taken away, and you just weren't able to add those splash plays that you needed with the way the offense is playing right now, and. Uh, Neyland Stadium, it was loud, sold out, great environment, uh, but Georgia seemed to handle the environment pretty well. Yeah, I think it's important to keep some of these things in perspective, and that that's not to – we're, we're going to spend most of this podcast talking about the 8 million things Tennessee could have done better in that football game to at least give itself a chance. But I do think it's probably – Important to note off the top, that Georgia team has won 28 consecutive football games, 24 of them by double digits. 
that is an exceptional football team. Uh, Carson Beck has just been so much better than I thought he would be. Now, a lot of quarterbacks that have beaten Tennessee this season have had some success against Tennessee throwing the ball. Tennessee's pass rush not been what it had been earlier in the year. And, and the, some of those injuries in the secondary starting to mount up. Play's not been as good there either. So, sure, they are there to be got right now, and they're, and they're getting got. But I think – that's just a very, 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 very good football team. And I'll tell you what I spent a lot of the second half thinking about, Ben. This is how boring a lot of that game was. I go back to the 2002 Tennessee-Miami game that I covered in this same stadium. I was about your age, I guess, then, maybe a little bit younger, actually. And that was the Miami team that had won – it was its 31st consecutive win that day, and then it would go on to win 34 more before losing to Mo Claret there in the, the title game in that double overtime game. That team, it just had one of the most ridiculous rosters I've ever seen. You know, had Andre Johnson and Sean Taylor and uh, Will Fork, Eric Winston, Jonathan Vilma. You just go down the list of just – there were probably a dozen all pros on that team. And, and, and after that game, you know, you had the Cedric Houston run for like 75 yards or so on the first, you know, second play from scrimmage. He gets caught at the four-yard line. Tennessee doesn't score. And then, you know, or gets a field goal and then has no points the rest of the day. This game, you had Jalen Wright going 75 yards on the first play of the game. Tennessee actually does take a 7-0 lead. The rest of the day, Tennessee has, uh, I believe, 202 yards and three points. And it just kind of seemed like – we talked about this going into the game. Georgia just kind of – it was like kind of the bully at the schoolyard who's taller than the little kid. So he just kind of puts his hand there on your head and you're swinging and you're fighting hard, but you just can't get a hand on him. You just can't get a glove on him. And when it got down to those third and fours, third and fives, Beck would either hit an open receiver or he would scramble out for a first down. You know, when, when Georgia needed a play on either side of the ball, it got it and it really without much of a fuss. And to, it is a rivalry game, so a little bit of digging into it, you know, they throw the, they throw the running back pass. They have a couple little end arounds, a little more flashy than I thought they probably needed to be. but. I, it worked, so you can't say anything bad about it because I might have saved that for later in the year if I were them. But, you know, basically this is what that game felt like to me was that game because I don't think Tennessee is a bad team. I just think Tennessee is an average team, and a great team did what it should do to an average team. Yeah, I, I completely agree with all of that. I, I also was surprised by uh, the, the the amount of trickery <laughs> that Georgia pulled out today. Uh, the, the halfback pass, some, some end rounds, uh, and they were very creative, uh, well thought out, well mm -hmm. executed. Uh, but, you know, they've got a huge game coming up against Georgia or against Alabama here in a couple of weeks in, in Atlanta. Uh, and then you, you would think that they're going to play a, a playoff game and, and then the national championship game uh, against, quite frankly, better teams than, than Tennessee. So it was surprising to, to not see them save those for Tennessee. But uh, you know, I, I just think, putting it simply, Georgia has better personnel than Tennessee, and Tennessee's banged up right now. And there, there just wasn't much Tennessee could do today. Um, I mean, on, on offense, you, you've got two backup offensive tackles starting the game. Uh, one of your backup offensive tackles goes down later in the game. Uh, you've got a guard, Javante Spragans. He goes down later in the game. You're already without Brew McCoy and Dante Thornton. You're, you're banged up at receiver. Uh, so you, you already don't have a ton to work with, and, and this is such a rhythm-based offense. And uh, when you don't have the same bodies in there consistently, it's hard to get into a rhythm offensively from that standpoint. And it's also hard to get in a rhythm, uh, and this is the offense's – wrongdoing as well, own doing as well as the defenses. But Georgia's like doubling up Tennessee in, in snaps and, and plays. And, and when you're not on the field and you have guys in and out of the lineup, it, it's hard to find a rhythm. But I, I think what was most frustrating, I was very impressed by Carson Beck as well. Man, he throws a catchable ball. <laughs> he, 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 is, he looks like he's more than a game manager. Uh, and he's obviously – First year being the starting quarterback, he's gotten better as the season has progressed, as you would hope if you're a Georgia fan. Uh, but the, the difference and what was so frustrating if you're a Tennessee fan, and his skill position players were terrific as well. Brock Bowers, it's Brock Bowers. Uh, Lad McConkey, he had a quiet night, but he's still out there. Ra Ra Thomas, um, the Missouri transfer, Dominic Lovett. But it wasn't even those 
couple of guys that, that really did Tennessee in. It was uh, Marcus Rosemead, Jack Saint, that, that had seven catches for 91 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, and then Dylan Bell as well, five catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown. Game of his career so far. They have so many weapons. But you see Carson Beck, although he has a, a full arsenal at his <laughs> fingertips and, and at his grasp, I mean, he is putting the ball where the receivers can catch it right in the numbers, right in the hands, and putting the ball to where they can catch it and get some yak afterwards. And also the receivers are doing a good job of making plays for the quarterback as well. And you look over at Tennessee's offense, and although you were missing several pieces, you did not see that from Tennessee. I did not think Joe Milton played that well tonight. Uh, I, I thought he was not very accurate with the football and, and on multiple instances. Uh, I, I thought there were a couple of times where maybe a li little more awareness and should have done this instead of doing that. Uh, so I didn't think Joe played well, but I also didn't think the receivers did anything to help him. That There were a couple of, of balls that should have been better by Joe, but like Georgia's receivers did for Carson Beck when the ball wasn't perfect for them, they made a play that they made an adjustment, caught the ball, and made a play for the quarterback. And Tennessee's receivers, they're, they're not doing that. They're not making plays for their quarterback. And, and it's just really odd to see. And Patrick asked – Patrick Brown, our very own, asked Josh Heupel after the game how frustrating it has been because that's not what you're used to seeing from a Josh Heupel offense. You can tell how much it bothered him. And you him. could tell how much it bothered him, absolutely. And, and he just flat out said it's been really, really disappointing that they've not been able to score more points – to help this football team win. Yeah, I think to me it, it, it's when you play a game like this and you're Tennessee and you are as sort of injury riddled as Tennessee is right now and Georgia is what it is right now, and other than McConkey and, and maybe Dumas Johnson, they're they're really healthy right now. And and so you're you're looking at a situation where you are still good enough where you are going to have a few moments in the game where you can change the game. It's it's a smaller runway, a much smaller runway to land the plane, but there are moments where you can land the plane. There are moments where it might not be 15 plays in a game, but there might be five or six where you have an opportunity to go make a play and change the football game. Tennessee had those opportunities in this game. Tennessee hung around well enough and hung in there just enough to where it gave itself a chance. And there was one play there, one one sort of a few several moments I could point out, but one really really important moment I thought like in, in in the game. Tennessee goes out there to open the third quarter, gets a stop on defense, gets a three and out, which it hadn't done most all day, gets the ball back, and then there are three plays in a row where on any one of those plays Tennessee should have gotten the first down, and it didn't. And you had uh, sort of a weird turn by Sampson not getting the ball to the sticks, and then you had a ball that I thought should have been caught, could have been caught, and wasn't. And then the very next play on third down, it's a really nice kind of scramble drill move. The, the, the O-line protected pretty well, and Squirrel White had gotten behind Georgia. And all Milton has to do is give him a pretty decent ball there. If he just – he could even underthrow him, and, and Squirrel's still making that catch. And if he puts it in stride, nobody's catching Squirrel White. That's a touchdown. If that happens, it's a 24-17 game. The crowd gets really, really into it. Maybe, just maybe, Georgia puckers up a little bit. Maybe. You never know. And, and that's what I mean is when you go back and, and when coaches after the lopsided games talk about just a few moments that really, really could have changed the game, you sit there and go, we lost by 28 points. It's not that. But in a way, it kind of is because you still had moments where you could have gone to affect the game and you didn't do it. And that's the thing. I wonder if all these moving pieces on offense, how much of a problem they really have been. Because th this offense, like every other offense, right, if you watch them practice, which we don't get to during the regular season, ben, but you watch them practice, you see how much of the timing – and the repetitiveness, the, the rhythm, how much that goes into everything that they do. And that's why when it works the way that it has for most of Heupel's career, it looks like they're all off the same hymn sheet, right? The guys know where to go. They're trained. They're drilled. They know exactly where to go to make a play when they need to. And this year it's just like the ball is either late or early or the receiver's two steps the wrong way or the throw isn't where it needs to be or the receiver doesn't make the play. 
they can't ever get everyone on the same page. And, you know, you can just tell us driving hypo crazy. Yeah, you, you certainly can. I, 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 I think it's a mixture of a lot. I, I think part of it is uh, you're banged up at different spots. Uh, and just speaking offensively, like you, right now, maybe not so much at the beginning of the season, but right now you're, you're banged up at receiver, you're banged up along the offensive line, uh, and I, I've, I've, I don't feel like they've gotten good quarterback play this season. Not consistently, no. No. The, Joe has had his moments. But just generally speaking, uh, I don't feel like they've gotten good enough quarterback play to, to win consistently in this league against this schedule. And I, when I say that, I don't, I'm also not putting – everything on Joe. I'm not. But he also ha has not done enough to help this offense take the next step, in, in my opinion. Uh, and, and then, like, the strength of this offense is by far the running backs, all three of them. Uh, not enough carries tonight. You know, Jalen Wright finishes with nine. Jabari Small had six. Uh, Dylan Sampson had two. Heck, Cam Selden had more touches tonight than Dylan Sampson. Uh, and all three of those backs, like, I trust them to go into the game and, and be productive. Now, obviously, you have a little more with Jalen Wright than, than you do Jabari Small, and you probably have more with Dylan Sampson than you do Jabari Small. But Jabari had several, two or three nice runs tonight, averaged 4.2 yards a carry. But the reason that they're not getting enough touches, which is the strength of the offense, is because everybody else is inconsistent and, and not able to maybe relieve some pressure off of them. On top of, on the other side of the ball, the defense not being able to get off the field. Uh, so I, I just the it, it's not been a crisp season, and I think there's there's several reasons for that. I'm sure we will have many uh, podcasts as we get into the early weeds of, of the off season about what went wrong for Tennessee in that respective perspective uh, this year. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, I, I just personnel and it factor are kind of the, the words and phrases that, that come to mind. I just don't think the personnel has been consistent, consistently good enough this year, whether it be injuries or just not executing. Uh, and, and I think some of the key guys that you're leaning on offensively, I just don't think they, they have the it factor that, that difference makers have to have in this league. I think th th there's one more play, and I, I, I do agree with that, but there, there's one more play that when you were talking there, it just <clears throat> it, it sort of – it came back to mind for me. There was a play in the first half, I think. Tennessee has, like, I think, I want to say a third and three. And it's a throw kind of out to Squirrel White, and he gets tackled about a yard and a half short or whatever the first down. And people are going, if it's on third and three, why in the hell are you throwing a pass behind the sticks? <clears throat> and I'll tell you why. Excuse me, my voice has been bad all week with this, with this cold stuff. But the reason is Tennessee's offense goes exactly where the numbers tell you to go. And on that play, the numbers dictated that you throw that ball out there to that one-on-one, -on -one, you get the block. That play, for basically Josh Heupel's entire career, has been a five-yard layup. It is a five-yard layup. It is the exact same. It maybe even is more higher percentage than a run in that situation. Because normally, with the quarterbacks and receivers in his offenses, that thing is run with their eyes closed. And the throw is where it needs to be on target. The receiver's where he needs to be. The other receiver and tight end are coming down to block, and he's getting at least five yards. And the sticks are moving, and you go to the next play. And I'd have to go back and look at it again because I couldn't tell exactly if Squirrel White didn't run the route exactly to the right depth or if that's why Milton's pass was just not exactly where it needed to be. It might be as simple as Milton just missed the throw by a yard or so. And that could be all it takes. Because it's not just like that play is a layup because you're giving it to the receiver in stride. You're putting it on his correct shoulder. The blocking's where it's supposed to be, and that's five yards all day. Heupel has made a career out of doing that stuff. And he calls that this year thinking, okay, that's, that's a layup. That's a first down. And he's probably thinking about his first down play call after that. And then what do they do? They don't get the thing right. And that's why you can tell at the end of the day he's the coach. So it all falls on him, and that, that's fine. That's how it goes at this level. But there are just things that he's like, guys, I've done this my entire career. Why are you just not doing this? And that's got to be the frustrating thing because they're calling plays the way they always have. 
and they've just had guys make those plays. And you don't have to be a five-star arm talent guy to make that throw or a great receiver to get that ball and go five yards with it or to come down and block and just get a piece of somebody. You know, it's little things like that where they're just maddeningly inconsistent. And that's where I wonder, like, if Brew McCoy's on the field, I bet that block's a little better. Oh, it 1,000% it is. I mean, I, I really like Chaz Nimrod. I Like, he, he is – He's done enough this year to make me think w- with a nice offseason he can be a, a key piece to the offense next year. Nice I, player. Nice I, I player. think he can be productive. But you don't want him being a lead blocker in critical down and distance. you got a mouse blocking for another mouse. Right. And, and if not for injuries, that's Brew McCoy or, or even Dante Thornton. And Dante's not the same blocker Brew is, but he's a much bigger guy than – than, than Chess Nimrod is, so I, I hate to beat the beat the <laughs> beat it over the head with with a drumstick or a hammer, whatever you want to use to beat it over the head with. But I, some I just sort of blunt force trauma. Yes, offensively, I just don't think the personnel is as good as it has been um, over Josh Heupel's tenure, kind of Missouri offensive coordinator, UCF head coach, in, in his first two years. Uh, at Tennessee, I think injuries have played a role in that. I, I think some guys have not uh, produced the way that they anticipated. Uh, and there's also a, a smidge, like we've talked about on previous podcasts, about they're still trying to develop this roster to, to avoid situations like they were in tonight, to, to where it's it's not such a blow when, when you're as banged up as you are. Uh, so I, I just simply put, without getting into to all the – nuances I just don't think the personnel is the same and I think that's leading uh, the penalties were not an issue tonight only three for 20 I actually I think Patrick Brown agreed with me on this made it made this comment late in the fourth quarter like it was actually a pretty well officiated game not not that it was perfect there were certainly missed calls I just, out there I, I didn't have any huge problems with it no not not at all the the there, holding there call looked weird really would have right. Tennessee. yes that and that was really really bad everybody in the stadium saw it but the refs um, but just generally speaking, given how some games have gone this year, I didn't think it was it was anywhere near some previous performances from from the refs. But um, you know, Tennessee didn't commit as many penalties tonight, but that's been an issue this year. Third down struggles continue to be a, a big issue. Tennessee was two of eleven offensively on on third down tonight, and then defensively, which I think defensively injuries are, are more of a reason why the defense is taking a step back later in the year. Beasley's dinged up. Something's bothering him because he's just not the same guy right now. Yes, and and you're relying on a ton of young linebackers. The secondary is taking a huge dip uh, without Kamal Haddon. Uh, And then also you were without Wesley Walker tonight as well. And McDonald. Uh, McDonald was not out there. Maybe played a little bit. No, he didn't play. Okay. He was suited up on the sideline. I think that was an emergency-only type of situation. Uh, Jordan Thomas got injured early. His backup. Uh, and never returned, and you were relying on a walk-on there in the star position and the, at the nickel position, which is one of the most important positions on the defensive side of the ball. So I do feel like injuries have have led to their step back on that side of the ball. But uh, still, it goes back to personnel issues and, and Tennessee needing to get the depth and talent where it needs to be to where these injuries don't affect them as much as they did tonight because you look across the way and, and Georgia was also dealing with injuries. But it obviously – and Georgia's a, a different type of standard right now. But they, they're able to withstand those injuries much better than, than Tennessee is able to. Yeah, I just think that th- this offense, especially with all the injuries right now, is just – just desperately needs a special quarterback and a guy who will lift the people around him and it's just pretty clear that Milton's not that guy. He, he is a guy who I think if you had put a healthier situation around him, a little bit better situation around him, I think he'd be all right. I really do. Um, but I don't think he's not an instinctive runner, so he doesn't really help in that part of the game as much as he maybe could athletically because some guys can be a great athlete. They're just not instinctive runners. It's not a toughness thing. He just – you know, he just he doesn't look like he's an instinct, instinctive ball carrier. You know, some guys just kind of – you see the Brady Cooks and his other guys just kind of slither around. He's just not that kind of guy. And, and so uh, he can do a standing backflip, but he just doesn't look comfortable running the football a lot of times. So I, I think they just kind of are in the situation they're in. And the frustrating thing to me – and we, we can talk about this after the break, Ben, but there's 
it's just kind of like there's just part of you that 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 wanted days like this to be behind Tennessee, and that might be the most humbling thing about this whole experience. But that is reality right now, so we got to talk about that, and we'll do that after we step away for just a second, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, etc., and then come right back here on the Go Vols Twenty Four Seven Podcast hashtag ad. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago. During that commercial break, Wes Rucker and Ben McKee coming to you from Neyland Stadium where 18th-ranked Tennessee goes down and goes down hard, 38-10. to Two top-ranked Georgia, the, the Bulldogs, winning their 28th consecutive game, which is uh, tied for the longest in SEC history. So congratulations in order to them. That is a hell of an achievement. And that team might go win a third consecutive national championship. And Tennessee took the business end of a, of a bad one today. We got more to talk about that, and we will. Um, but uh, before we do that, just a quick request from our end. If you could take about a minute out of your day right now and go rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, we really would appreciate that. If you're just listening right there uh, on the website at GoVols247.com, nothing wrong with that. No wrong way to consume this podcast. It does help us out more, though, if you go in there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find this GoVols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. No complaints whatsoever. But since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there, rate, review, subscribe, and uh, tell your friends. Tell people all about this. Uh, If you're looking to commiserate with fellow Tennessee fans after this one, uh, tell them that they can come to this podcast and we will help them in that commiseration. If you're already doing all that stuff, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. Right back where we left off at the end of the first segment, Ben. This is something I thought about a little bit toward the toward the end of this game, especially um, and afterward talking to people and just kind of getting the vibe down there around the, the locker room. I think what is probably the most disheartening thing about a game like this for Tennessee is, yes, it's a game that you lost to what might be a third consecutive national champion. I mean, let's let's call that what it is, right? That team is really, really good. Has not lost in 28 games. Really, really well-coached team, yada, yada. We know that talent for days. However, the way this game went, you thought maybe – even if this season was going to be a little step back from last season, I think there was the hope that the days of a team coming in here to Neyland and doing this to Tennessee were done. Like you might come in here and beat Tennessee by a touchdown, maybe 10 points, maybe 14 points. But to come in here and beat Tennessee like this, I think that's probably the most disheartening thing is that you'd like to think – and a lot of the people around the program certainly wanted to think that days like this were, were done, and very clearly they're not. So it makes you take stock of where things are, where things are going. You don't want to make too much of it, but it's a frustrating thing to just sit there and kind of take a whooping, and you thought you wouldn't have to do that again for a while. It, it absolutely does, and, and I don't disagree with you, but I, I do think that tonight had more to do with Georgia than – But isn't that the point, though? Yes, but you're not going to get to Georgia level in three years based off of where Josh Heupel and this staff took Tennessee over. Sure. Uh, so absolutely, like the Tennessee should not 
should night. Tonight should. Uh, how about that for a combination Shania, of words? I Shania, like it. Shania, yeah. Uh, not thinking of Shania Twain, but uh, tonight they should already be asking themselves and reevaluating what steps do we need to take to continue to try and close the gap between uh, Georgia and also even Alabama, because those are the two big fish that that you are chasing uh, in the country and even more critically because they're in your conference, those are the two teams that you're chasing. And uh, I, I don't know that the, the gap is as severe between Tennessee and Alabama as it is nah. Tennessee and Georgia, uh, but it, it does, and this was asked to Josh Heupel, it, it does feel like you, maybe not very close, but you were closer last year than you were this year. And, and I do think part of that, it's not that black and white, like there are ebbs and flows from season to season. Uh, and one season can make it look better than it is in terms of the gap being closed, and one season can make it look worse than it is because personnel is so ever-changing. Uh, but th this is a game where where you reflect and and try and come up with solutions on how you can can close the gap because Tennessee, th this is – and I don't mean to, to throw strays out, but I'm going but that, to anyways. That, means, but that, that always leads to I'm, I'm getting ready to do it. But th this is not Kentucky or Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Missouri, where winning 10 games every four years is okay, where, where getting to a bowl game is okay. Uh, the, the, the standard here is to compete for championships year in and year out. At a school like Tennessee, you have the resources to go win championships. Uh, and, and when Tennessee isn't creeping up closer to that goal, then, then you, can, you should absolutely be – questioning and, and reevaluating what you're doing um, because the, the goal is to win championships. And, and right now, in order to win championships, you have to close the gap on that team. And that is a tall task. And it's not just a Tennessee issue. It's a tall task for everybody in the country right now, quite frankly. Uh, and that was more so my point about tonight. Like, I watched that game and I, I just thought, man, Georgia's about to win a third straight national championship and, and Georgia is dominant. And, uh, yes, Tennessee has its issues that, that need to continue to evolve and, and be corrected. Uh, but I, I thought tonight's beating was, was more about what Georgia has become rather than there being this massive red flag all of a sudden being camped in Tennessee's camp. Yeah, I just – I think you think about this, th this season, and as frustrating as things feel right now, l let's not forget that – think back to halftime of that game against Alabama – at that point, Tennessee was a one-loss team that looked like it had a chance to go beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. And at that point, you're thinking, well, worst-case scenario, this is a two- or three-loss season, worst case. And this team might be right up there competing again, like not for a title or anything, but, you know, maybe this team goes on and does something. And, and then at that point, you're saying, well, you know, the loss in Gainesville, Tennessee always loses in Gainesville, hell, whatever, just dismiss that and move on. Now – the past two weeks changed the conversation in what I think is a necessary but uncomfortable way, probably, about, okay, just how did this happen? And it's going to probably be hypo at the end of this season, looking back, okay, so you made some changes on offense. What did you like and what did you not like about them? The way that you know plays are being called, the way that you're designing things, how do you feel about that? And then defensively, I think you have to have some conversations about what you're going to do either with scheme or with staff or whatever you're doing because this has been the second week in a row. And, again, Georgia is Georgia, and Missouri is a, a good football team. But the number of third downs where you just cannot get to the quarterback and quarterbacks can just – pretty comfortably step right outside of a collapsing pocket and go jog for a first down and just deflate you time after time after time. You're calling blitzes and you're not getting there. You, you, you can't cover in man or in zone. Like something – that pass rush we saw early in the season, it's just not there right now. It's just not. And I guess teams have made adjustments to certain things. Maybe Tennessee's dinged up. I just think there's going to be some, some real talk – to play defense like this on third down two weeks in a row is very, very disconcerting. It is – it's it's an issue. And it's something that if you 
you know, I get that you're playing Will Brooks at nickel. Well, that's a big reason why. I understand that. Along with the two linebackers that, that are missing and, and the um, the amount of young linebackers you're playing, and, and it's not just Will Brooks playing. You're, you're missing your, your starting star. You're missing your starting corner who made himself some money at least prior to the injury. And you were missing a veteran safety in Wesley Walker tonight, at least. And I can't remember when he got hurt in the Missouri but, game. But, it, but people, you're missing a lot on the second and third level. And, and those levels are key to being successful in third down. I understand that. But in third down's the money down. But if you can get somebody into a third and six, a third and seven, third and eight, if you're good enough to do that, you're good enough to make more stops on third down. And whatever they're doing – and they're trying different things, it's not working. And I think that is – I understand. And I, 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 get, I, get, I will say complete – and I mean this. I really do mean this. I like Heupel and those guys after the game saying, listen, this game does not care how many guys you have injured. This game does not feel sorry for you. You need to step up and play. And Milton said, you know what, no matter who gets hurt, you know – we got another guy on scholarship coming in to replace him, which in some case Tennessee doesn't because in some case you're bringing in, you know, guys like Will Brooks and you're, you're bringing in a, like a Dane Davis, you know, at times. Like, I, so it's not all the same. But, like, so they're saying the right things. But there's going to have to be – I think at this point you just kind of do what you can, rally around the flag, beat Vanderbilt next week, get that eighth win, try to get healthy, put on a decent show in the bowl game. But – they will, and I'm sure. I'm sure they're they will because they're going to need to to sit back and have some conversations about okay, if we really are trying to close this gap, are we doing what we need to do to at least incrementally close that gap? There is no doubt about that, one thousand percent. I just did not watch tonight and become more concerned against that team that they were playing more than I was already concerned after the Missouri game. Uh, those concerns started existing second half against Alabama. They, they, they've existed for a while now. Uh, and I, I felt like those concerns hit the climax against Missouri. Uh, tonight, again, I, I just – like Tennessee wasn't beating Georgia. They could play 100 times and Tennessee's not going to win any of them just because they injuries and already lack personnel, all these things that we've already discussed. I mean, Georgia is just a different beast right now. And, and I, I think they are – they, they may be the only team in the country that can come in here and beat Tennessee the way that they did tonight. May, and even if there's another – I'd like to see what, like, an Ohio State or somebody would yeah. do. But there's not many. And Georgia is certainly the one that can do it. Maybe an Ohio State, maybe a, a Michigan, maybe this version of Alabama that, that's clicking on all cylinders at the end of the season as the postseason gets here. But, I mean, there's maybe two or three teams at best that can do what Georgia did tonight inside of the stadium right now, which was my point of, like, I'm not all of a sudden going to freak out any more than I was already freaking out, so to speak, or questioning the, the issues that, that have popped up. Because I, I think tonight was just a, a severe reminder of they need to take steps in, in building this roster out. Uh, in order to, A, try and close the gap, but also uh, not be as limited as you are when, when guys do go down. Yeah, they, they, need to, they need more difference makers on defense. I think we all can see that. They just they do either that or they need to adjust the scheme in a way that puts them in better position to make more plays. I don't know. Again, I'm not a coach. I never have been. I, I just – I don't care who you're playing – those third down numbers should not exist. They should not exist. You you have got to find a way to either change something, to throw a different look out there, to get off the field more than four times in 13 tries. You just have to be better than that. If you're at a place like this, I don't. I get how good Georgia is. But to come into your house when they're making all that noise on third down and you're still just not affecting anything, really, uh, that that's – it, it's it, it's frustrating because I think probably the the offense probably frustrates Hypo more because he's an offensive guy and they've always been able to put points on the board. Now Georgia was the only defense that could really bother Hendon Hooker and those guys last season. Like you know Tennessee either beat itself or or um, or didn't get beat except for when it played Georgia and it just got beat. And and so those guys are good. Let's not question that. They've lost a lot of guys to the NFL. They're still really really good. But I, I just. 
I think it's going to be a situation where they're really going to have to make some decisions on either things schematically or coaching-wise, what they want to do to make sure that they feel like they're really going to take that next step. There's no doubt about that. Those questions just didn't pop into thin air tonight, though. That's fair. They, they've existed for quite some time, and then unfortunately for Tennessee, you, you've, you ran into a juggernaut tonight. Yeah, you ran into a really, really good team. And the good news is next week you're not playing Georgia. Tennessee is playing Vanderbilt at home. Now, of course, we'll see who's going to play offensive line for Tennessee at this point. If Spragans and Davis are both actually dinged up, I mean, you're you're – you're, you're starting. What, you're, right. you're you're either playing some walk-ons or some freshmen. You're doing something different. What I don't understand, and we we do need to point this before we get out of here. Uh, Josh Heupel alluded to after the game, Nico Iamaliava not playing in the second half, not playing in the fourth quarter because they are preserving his red shirt. He did not say that word for word, but, but that's he, what he said. He alluded to it. Uh, he's played in three games this year, up until today's game. There are two games remaining in the regular season leading into today. Uh, so now he can potentially play against Vanderbilt and still maintain his red shirt because that would be his fourth game. Uh, and according to a UT spokesperson, uh, Tennessee uh, or a bowl game does not count against the four game limit. Correct, that's so, the new rule. Yeah. And, and well, it was kind of weird there Ish. because they when they first announced it, they said it was a one year thing. And so that's why we, the media, were trying to clarify that because at the time they announced the rule, they they said it was a one-year waiver type of deal. So wanted to get clarity on that. Um, and I don't even know why it's a conversation of whether he's redshirting or not because if he pans out, then he's not going to be here past three years anyways. But that's a, a completely I wonder if it's something the family wants to do or something. That's why I'm kind of withholding judgment because I don't know – that that could be a deal where the family wants to do that or the kid wants to do that. I, so. I I don't know. That's why I'm hesitant because I agree with you on the surface, Ben. I'm going. Why the hell would that even matter if he's half as good as you think he is? Right. But maybe it does. I don't know. Right. So that that was a storyline tonight in terms of why did this player or that player not play? Uh, they were preserving his red shirt, which makes sense. And if if that's the case, then obviously do not play him tonight and, and keep Joe in there. Uh, but the other one, and I'll try not to go on a mini rant. I just I like it. I like it when you warn this ahead of time. That means it's happening. Let's no, go. I'm just Let's gonna go. I'm Let's just gonna go. Nope, nope, nope. I'm ready to go home. So I'm just gonna pose the question because this made zero sense to me. You're down both tackles tonight. Both of them. John Campbell could not play because he's banged up. And Gerald Mincy is dealing with a knee injury. And and kind of the word on the street was that they are emergency options. Yes. Dane Davis got shaken up and, and had to exit the game. Yeah. Why is Gerald Mincy, if he is an emergency option, why is he coming in late in the second half of a blowout when Tennessee's down 28 points? Why, if he can play in that moment, is he not able to play at the beginning of the game? Why can he dress out and play when they're down by 28 in the fourth quarter? When maybe because Spragans is also hurt and you're just saying – I, I don't you have want, freshman I don't, tackles. I don't Why would you not get to get killed? I mean, I don't know. You're already getting killed. No, like a quarterback to get hurt or something, like on a blindside hit or something. If he's dealing with a knee injury, isn't he that compromised? Would be, that would mean is he is, it is, he, make is sense he still to me. better than the next guy? That's what I I don't know. I agree with you. I thought it was weird. I thought Brian Grant would come out there or somebody like that, and it didn't happen. They, they were fine trotting him out there earlier in the game in a jumbo package. So why are you not – Well, they were, and then they called timeout, and I don't yes. know if they stuck with it. But. So, like, I, I just thought that was really weird. And, and like, Gerald is legitimately hurt. I'm yes. not trying to – has been. He's not uh, – he may be in the doghouse, but that's not the reason that he didn't play uh, tonight. Like, he is legitimately dealing with a knee injury. You, he's but been hurt just, in, like, three or four games, yeah. It doesn't make sense to me if he can't play in the first half against the number one freaking team in the country that's won a million games in a row and about to win its third straight national championship, if that's not a big enough emergency situation. But he can come down late. He can come in late in the game when they're down 28, and you have freshmen that need the reps, young guys that need the reps like a Brian Grant. Why is he going into the game? No, I agree. I think maybe the only thing I can think of is that they thought if Dane Davis could play – he would be better than a dinged-up Mincy, but that maybe the next guy wouldn't be better That's than a, a dinged-up. That's the only thing I can think of. That's the only mitigating circumstance I can imagine. You know, or maybe you know one of the freshmen. You know, was not didn't have his helmet ready or was being a freshman. I I, I have no idea. I, I don't want to assume that I that we know there, but I do agree. 
on the surface. That was interesting. I also am not really sure about trying a 55-yard field goal when you're down a billion points. Like, there's there been a couple of those things this year where I'm like, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't but matter, but it's also it? weird. You know, there's a couple of those kind of weird, weird deals. Maybe he's like, you know what? Maybe if this kid makes a 55-yard kick, it an NFL team sees. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I have no idea w- what the thinking was there. And honestly, after a game like this, there are more important questions to ask after a game than that. We only get so many minutes with the head coach, and that did not rise to the level of the most important things to ask. So, yeah, there's been a couple of those this 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 year, like the late kick against Mizzou, trying the 55-yard one this week. I'm like, what, what's 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 going on there? Uh, I would file that under, like, not really important, but just weird, you know, just kind of weird. But that that is what it is. There are a lot of questions to ask. At the end of the day, though, you know, Ben, I said this would be a 37-17 game. If Tennessee scores at the end, it's 38-17. to So I can't sit here and act surprised because this game is more or less exactly what I thought it might be. And I remember your prediction was about what mine was. So we both at least had this one about where it was. It's not really a surprise. But still, when it happens, it can be frustrating. you got to reevaluate. And you just – you don't like it when anybody comes in your house and does this to you. Uh, it's just not very fun. But that's what, you know, maybe there are freshmen and sophomores on this team who will remember this, and it will help them with those last reps of, of, uh, of off-season workouts, and they will come back and be better because of it. We, we don't know. That's, you, you never know what's going to happen in the future. But Tennessee needs to get back to being what it was last season. They just – at some point they need to get back to that. That's going to be what they want around here. That's 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 people felt like that was Tennessee football again. So whatever you got to do, whether it's portal, whether it's scheme, whether it's, you know, uh, NIL bumping up, whatever it is, you know, I don't want to be I'm going to hear Mark Stoops here being like, oh, just give more to NIL. No, I think that they're going to have to you don't want days like this to happen. And so we'll see if Tennessee is able to adjust to that. Uh, so we'll see if Tennessee can can go ahead and beat Vanderbilt next week like usual, and then go into uh, go to a decent bowl game, get a performance in, get some work in, come back and see what it is next season. So we'll have a lot more to discuss about this as football is heading down to, to the stretch here. We'll obviously have a ton of basketball to discuss next week with Tennessee, the seventh-ranked balls being in Maui, or, or not in Maui, in, in the Big Island of Hawaii for the Maui Invitational this season. Uh, we'll still have a Tennessee baseball um, sort of off-season episode, at least one, probably more than that. Uh, we should have gotten Max Scherzer. He was in here uh, today. We, we sh- I rode the elevator down with Scherzer down to the uh, bottom floor after the game. So uh, maybe I should have been like, hey, Max, you want to come on the podcast? We talk a little Tennessee baseball recap. Um, but hell of, a, hell of a signing class they just put together. Yes, a- absolutely. And, and we'll have some stuff on that. And just busy time of year, football hitting the home stretch and uh, – the good news is Dalton Connect, bless you, slash, I don't know if that was a cough or a sneeze, but it's I'll bless you anyway. It sounds like a sneeze because I'm coughing into my fleece jacket here to try to prevent the noise from being bad, and it's not working. It's all right. We're pretty much done anyways. Yeah. But the good news is that Dalton Connect plays three basketball games next week in uh, Tennessee Knock baseball. On Knock on wood, bro. Tennessee baseball, three months from today is first pitch. There you go. I think, see, those are way happier notes to end on, and we'll, we'll, we'll let it in there. But you know what? Until then, guys, thanks for, uh, thanks for listening. We'll, we'll see if things get better here in the next little bit. And, uh, Ben, thanks for being here again, bud. Thanks, Wes. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think falls fans will find interesting. Uh, but if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, 
Go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.